This is Working to Beat. I'm Kevin Cooney, along with Mike Curran. Glad you can join us. Busy week ahead, final week in August. As we get set for football, we get set for the stretch run in Major League Baseball. College football getting going. We'll touch a little bit on all of that tonight, Mike. And uh, But we have to start with the Phillies. Why? Because they are perhaps the most maddening team in Philadelphia history. They are what they are. I, I don't understand why everybody every week is so perplexed by the Phillies. And then they'll beat the Red Sox two games in a row or sweep the Cubs. or do, And then everybody's like, okay, now things are good. Oh, we hired Charlie and we hit in three games. Okay, things are good. Why after four months or so, five months, I don't know, would you expect this to be different? I, I, I really don't know. But I will talk to somebody who I know... Has as good a beat on it as anybody. He's the columnist for the Bucks or for the. Uh, for He'll the, tell you for the Delaware County. Though it's, I almost put you in Bucks County there, Jack. I apologize. It's Jack McCaffrey. How are you? Hi guys, <laughs> and, I, and I can answer your question. Why the 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 reaction to the Phillies is so choppy? Because it's not anybody's imagination. It's the first Phillies team in 29 years to not have a five game winning streak. Nobody's imagining that it's choppy. This is what's happening. They win a couple. They lose a couple. They win a big one. They lose a big one. They lose big, but they, they rally the next night. They look like they're turned it around, and then they slump a little bit. So the, the uh, it, it, to me, the dynamics of the season invite the kind of, the kind of uh, differing day-to-day reaction to the team. And that, that's how I would explain why this team is, is – is, criticized or, or analyzed in different ways than a lot of other teams. There is some history here. They are a historically inconsistent team, and there's numbers to prove it. Jack, yeah. when you look at this team, for you know, Mike mentioned, you go to Boston, you think you get momentum, and then you go to, then you go obviously to, to to Miami and lose two or three against the Marlins. With the Padres in between. With the yeah, the Padres are in between there and they had the White Sox earlier. Why is it is it why is it that this team? I know their pitching's not good. I know their 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 lineup is inconsistent. But against these teams, these are the teams you clean up on if you're going to make a serious run at this. And yet they haven't done that. They haven't. They should have. They should have won two of three in Miami, and that would have been a four and one road trip. Uh, Harper wasn't there, and then you know you try not to make excuses. But in a three two game on a Sunday. Without Bryce Harper, it makes a big difference. Maybe they steal that one with Aranola. They get out of that road road trip with a four and one record instead of three and two. Uh, that's one way. This is one way to look at it. And obviously, the, the reason that they have not been as successful as people think thought they would be is the starting pitching and the injuries. And both of those together have made it less than what people thought it was. But still, in a situation where they're going to go into September. What a chance to win a playoff spot. Yeah, I mean, what, Jack, to, to me, it's it, it, the one problem with baseball is that people try to analyze it like football, you know, where you sit there and you play a game and you have a week. And with the Phillies, because of the way they play, every game gets like, you know, they lose Friday night. Oh, my God, it's the end of the year, whatever. And like you said, if they had won yesterday, it would have been okay. They won four or five on the road trip and they had one horrible loss. And I just think. The reason why they haven't had a four-game winning streak is because Noah can't pitch four straight days or five straight days. Um, but they're still in it. <laughs> it's just like amazing to me that if 
God forbid they could do something, some little bit of consistency, and maybe they can't, but they could be still in this thing, you know, going into like the last week. You know, the way it, this thought occurred to me tonight, as a matter of fact, and it's it's maybe maybe the flip side of what is also a, a, a legitimate thought, and, and, and that 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 a legitimate thought is it, it was unfortunate for the Phillies that they didn't take advantage when they should have and build a big wild card lead by now. But the flip side is those other teams did not do away with the Phillies when they had a chance to do away with the Phillies. Now here the Phillies are still right in the thick of things and they haven't had their winning streak yet. If you would, at least from the point of view that, that the law of average, the law of baseball averages is that at some point, every team uncorks some kind of a, a win streak. And again, every Phillies team since 1990 has had one of at least five games. If the Phillies were to win a six or seven game road uh, winning streak in September, then all of a sudden they're right back in, in the boss in this thing, or at least for the second wild card. And uh, everybody, so many people are, are, are fretting that that it's, the Phillies haven't didn't take advantage when they had a chance to take advantage. But you know what? Neither did anybody else, and they might be sorry that they let the Phillies hang around. Well, I mean, the Braves took advantage. And I'm talking about I'm talking about second wild card. Well, yeah, I'm not, I, even, I'm not even I'm not even talking about first wild card. Yeah, I was just going to say the Nationals card. now are pretty much locked yeah, into the no, first no, wild no, card. I'm talking about second wild, second wild card. The I'm second wild card looks like it's going to be the Brewers, the Phillies, the Mets, and the Cubs. Cubs, honestly, or the, or the Cards depends upon. Yeah, Cards now have a two and a half games. Two and a half. Lead. Okay, um, and three of those four managers, strangely. Are all on the are all on the hot seat. Joe Madden's contract's up, and may, he may be going out of Chicago. Uh, you know, Mickey Calloway obviously almost got fired earlier in the year, and it, it, who knows what happens if the Mets don't make it. And, and obviously, there's Gabe Kapler, which brings me to the story on Monday when you're at the ballpark here. Can you explain the Cesar Hernandez benching slash non benching that took place? Hmm. Yeah, I will. I, I can tell you because I was through the whole the whole episode. Uh, Gabe Kapler made it clear that the benching of Cesar Hernandez was a result of Hernandez not running the first base hard on Sunday. And he made that very clear to us. It's my interpretation that he had a previous conversation a day earlier with with Hernandez where Hernandez, you know, kind of acknowledged, you know what, you're right, I get it, you know, apologized or whatever he did, and people understood that was the deal. When So when Kapler today, which was Monday, made the decision not to start Hernandez at second base and start Kingery, he just ratcheted it back a hair, he texted to Hernandez and said something along the effect that, that uh, look, it's not really punishment, so we need more out of you. You know we need more out of you. Let's just go, you know, this is what's going to happen tonight. I still may need you for a pinch hitter or in a certain situation later in the game, and we go on from here. By the time Kapler, to the press pregame, owns the fact that uh, this is a result of that episode Sunday, the press, myself included, we go into the clubhouse, confront uh, Hernandez through an interpreter, which 
complicates things a little bit. Diego, who's been a longtime interpreter for yeah, them. and he is very good at it. But yep. it, it does, it does, it, it, it does throws a wrinkle. Things. Sure. Yeah. So it throws a wrinkle into it. Is a well, well uh, a good phrase there. It throws a wrinkle into it. He Hernandez says he didn't get the sense that it was a benching, so to speak. That it was just he was just giving him a day off. Uh, I my my feeling, Kevin and Mike, is that. We're really, really splitting hairs here. Uh, to me, Gabe Kapler did exactly what he was supposed to do. If he, if he, if he chose to characterize it, if he chose to soften it a little bit to Cesar Hernandez because that's the way he thinks he should manage it, well, that's his choice as a manager to handle it that way. But here, this is why I look at it: if you were starting yesterday and you are on the bench tonight. You were benched. That's the verb benched. Now, whether or not we, we can d- d- debate whether or not he was benched or just given a day off, he was benched. And Hernandez probably should have given Gabe more of a break than he did and just said, yeah, I understand. This is what happened. I'll live with it. But he, he kind of was stressing that it was a day off, not a benching. And I just, I, I hate to say it, but I I wonder if, and I'm not not a being funny here. That something wasn't lost in the translation. That, uh, that what happened happened, and it was just a matter of how you were going to interpret it. Jack, and, but Jack and in public, yeah. No, but Jack, I, I think there's two things. One, it's the communication is one of Kapler's strong suits. Everybody has said that. That you know, it seems like there's a mix up there. But two, on the benching end of it, you know. There's been multiple occasions with Hernandez. There's been multiple occasions with Segura. Franco got benched. There's been other cases. Hoskins has been, you know, guilty of it. Is it almost too late for him to come down on players because he looks like he's going to be inconsistent justice here if he does it? It's a very strong possibility. The way he phrased it to us was that it's that every situation is taken its own merit and that this particular time he he imposed this benching on Hernandez because he it was the time of the year it's a, their Phillies are approaching September and every game is heightened of importance now and that he wants to make sure that it that this behavior doesn't continue to occur and I stop me if I'm talking about the ancient Olympics of Greece but I'll reference 1980 and Dallas Green because that is kind of relevant to Kapler this year when he said, I'm not going to be Dallas Green. Well, Dallas Green did the same thing in 1980. He sat down prominent players during the pennant race and was able to win a World Series because of it. Uh, the timing, this being close to September, the pennant race heating up, it was my feeling that Kapler just wanted to make it known that the games are, are of highest importance right now, and he's not putting up with it any longer. Jack, do you get the sense, or do you think the writers that cover the team on a regular basis get the sense that these players will put it out there for Gabe, or do you think that because he's kind of that laid back kind of Pollyanna, you know, I always, my guys are always playing hard or trying, whatever, that maybe they take advantage of him? My guess is they take advantage of it. Okay. My guess is that they, they, uh, they don't, my, not my guess, my observation is they don't play as hard as they can. For their manager, and that's yeah. not good, right? I mean, that's not... ever, the best example in the history I ever saw of that was 1993, when that team played 
it gave everything they had for Jim Fergosi. Yeah. And I don't see that for Gabe Kapler. And they now, did. And they, they, that's they, not they good. A month ago, let's see what they do in the last month. Yeah. And and they did that obviously for Charlie too. Manual, they they kind of. Yeah. Oh, definitely not, not far, kind of. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there there was some times where Charlie had a crackdown on him, but it was very rare. I mean, you yeah, know. Charlie got his players to play hard for him. Which leads me to the main next question. Last time we had a podcast, Charlie was still a special advisor. Now he's the hitting coach. I don't know what a right. hitting coach can do in forty games. Um, yeah, but do you I, think? It's, do you, uh, I, 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 I've criticized the Phillies heavily for their their choice of their last hitting coach. Do you? So th- obviously, I've got to approve of Charlie Manuel coming in, and I do. But I'm not going to insult your intelligence any more than I will anybody. <laughs> What's he going to? He's he's had what 11 games so far. Yeah, he hasn't. That's not enough. 40 games is not enough. But it's it was at least at the minimum, what it did was release some tension in that clubhouse. There is no doubt in my mind that once 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 melee was gone and Charlie was the hitting coach, a lot of pressure was taken off of the hitters, and you started to see better. Better baseball. Well, and we've also, and, and my guess is you're going to continue to see better baseball. And we've and, also, and, it, and it's not, it's it's not a, it's not a direct cause. Like I said, the, the hitting coach is not going to de- decide a pennant race, but it's going to help. Do you think there's going to be a conversation? That, we all believe it was John Middleton who moved him downstairs. Do you of think it, it was? Do you think there's going to be a conversation at the end of the year from John Middle and almost a debriefing of Charlie Manuel and what he saw about coaching? Converse, I'm sorry, Kev, the conversation about what? About with Charlie Manuel about what he saw, what he thinks has to be done going forward here. If Charlie's not coming back as hitting coach, you would right. think though that Charlie may have another purpose, maybe to collect some notes about manager. Him. Yeah. Well, no, no. I mean, <laughs> no. I know what you're saying, Kev. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. Yeah. Uh, you know. The, you know, that's he's a, a spy. That's, he's that's a, a, it's a conspiracy theory, but Steinbrenner used to do it all the time. Correct? To me, uh, Carly Manuel's too good of a baseball man, too good of a man to be yeah. a spy, to be a yeah. rat. He's not in there to be a rat. Two, uh, John Middleton doesn't need a rat to go in there to know what's going on. My, my guess is he probably already had one in there anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but it's a shame on John Middleton if he didn't already have a rat in there. Telling them what was going on, and you covered it, when you covered the Yankees. Steinbrenner had tons of them, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, Steinbrenner knew everything that was going on. He could pull anything past those Things were a lot more open back then, more press, more. <laughs> today, everything is shut down. And back then, guys would say things they wouldn't care about saying. Things would be on the front page of the papers, the back page of the papers. It was a lot more. It was a lot more fun, and it it gave George Steinbrenner. There were fewer secrets. Today it's 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 a PR guy standing by you saying two more questions, if not literally standing behind you, shaking his head yes or no, <laughs> telling the guy to, how to answer the question. So, <laughs> and I have to I have to say, not so much with the Phillies, but with one other team in town, you see that once in a while. And people think um, you have a dream job, Jack. They think you go in there and I it's do. like sixty I love, minutes. I, love it. <laughs> yeah, I do, it, but uh, it's but I, I do, and uh, but you guys have had this job too, and, and, and we'll have it again. And you know what I mean. It's it's uh, it's much different than it was oh, yeah. ten years ago, twenty years ago, and thirty years ago. It's just much different. It's a different job, Jack. If you had to put your, you know, looking at these last five weeks of the season, do you think the Phillies can, let's say, in the last week in September, still have a 
you know, not be five games out with five to go, but have, have a realistic shot going into like the last week of getting the second wild card. Yeah, I, I, I do. Uh, because I, I think that, that they will click off a six or seven game winning streak at some point, just under law of averages. I believe that, that Bryce Harper is good enough to carry a team in a pennant race. They obviously are going to need better starting pitching, but Noel is tremendous. And then you, you hope to get one or two decent starts behind him. Uh, you, you've got Jay Bruce coming back probably in the first week of September. That'll give you a little bit of a, a boost uh, with power. And, and the rest of the league is not so deep that they're run away from the Phillies. And I'll stick to what I said earlier in the show. It's not the Phillies that have to apologize for not having run away from these other teams. These other teams might have to pay for the fact that they let the Phillies hang around. You let it. You let a good team hang around long enough. You're going to. You're going to pay. It's a. It's a. I think we agree. It's absolutely amazing how poorly the Phillies have played, and yet they're still involved. But that's the case. Yeah, last and they play a lot of those teams in September. It's really unbelievable. Yeah, they play the Braves. Play a lot of those teams in September. Braves, yeah, the Braves and the Nationals a ton. Yes, Jack. Last question. Uh, You know, I've asked this a current, and I know what he feels. If they fall short, what's the ramifications for for the big three of McPhail, Clintac, and and Kapler? You talk about at the end of this year. Yep. All of them are on the hot seat. Uh, if, if this team doesn't make the playoffs, absolutely the manager will go because you can't, can't bring the manager back again. You got a you got a pretty good chance of the general manager going, and whether McPhail stays or not, what difference does it make? You don't do anything anyway. But yeah, I would think all three of those guys would be. I, I would be disappointed in John Middleton if he didn't make some kind of move to improve that situation. So, so Jack. If, if they yeah. let's say they lose by two games, I'll just say two games, with yeah. Arietta being out, McCutcheon being out, Robertson being out, um, and you just gave Clentak a three-year extension, you yeah. really think that that Middleton would get rid of both Clentak and I Gabe? Say, I, but yeah, I would think that if they don't make the playoffs, Capital will go. Okay, I, I just do it's 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 Clentak uh, becomes even 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 the move uh, with the Hernandez. Is is indication that Kapler realizes that he's and the clock is ticking on him, and he better start to behave differently as a manager. So these kind of moves, if they continue and they're popular and they're successful, could help them. Might be a little too late. Little too late. Strange part is, I think Clintac and Kapler are so tied at the hip that if you get rid of one, you got to get rid of the other. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, I, I and you guys might be right. I'm saying when you give a guy a three year extension. I don't, and I know Middleton's got money coming out of his wazoo. I guess the, maybe the money doesn't mean anything, but I just don't see how you then blow it up if you miss the playoffs by like a game or two with like four guys getting hurt that you were counting on. I just fi- find that, I don't know, maybe it's me. I, I could be wrong, you but, know? But I, I think there's, look, when... John when, Middleton doesn't want to be in, in, insignificant in this town. Right. Oh, yeah. He goes into an offseason with Gabe Kapler as his manager, if, after missing the playoffs this year with this team, yeah. he's not going to be able to generate one minute of sports talk conversation at all. Jack, if and, he's gone, do you have a guy? Yeah. That, remember, we did this show with, um, you know, they, they should have hired um, Jim Leyland, me and you on, on another radio station. Yeah. Do you, who do yeah. you think that, they, though, because I think they'd have to hire somebody that would at least get 
somebody's excitement going, right? Joe Madden. Well, Joe Girardi would be the guy that, that, that Middleton would have the money to pay. Okay. Joe he's, Madden. He's kind of an, an, an analytics guy. Girardi is. So he could, he could probably, he could probably live with Clentac. Okay. And, and that would be, and I, 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 I have to acknowledge that people don't buy tickets to watch a manager manage, mm-hmm. but I don't know. There's, there's a, the word Joe Girardi won a world championship. It has a certain ring to it. Uh, he, he, he comes in with a, a lot more uh, accomplishment and achievement than Kapler has. And at least it gives, it would give fans a chance to say, all right, let's start over again and let's see if we can try it this way. And, uh, that that you, the question as you guys phrased it to me is how do I envision it turning out? Right. Well, that that's how I would envision it turning out. That if they don't make the playoffs, yep. John Middleton says I can't sell, I cannot sell Gabe Kapler again next year. I will agree with you about this though, Jack. It would be a long off season for them if Gabe, no matter who they sign, no matter who they go out and right. sign, if Gabe's going to be the manager. And in this town, with the, if the Sixers are as good as people think and the Eagles are as good as people think, you become the Flyers. You know exactly, yeah. exactly. Now you hire Joe Girardi, and then you buy a pitcher, but you bring Cole Hamels back. Whatever you're going to do, you trade Hoskins for a, a number two starter. Uh, you, you know, whatever. You, I'm talking, you know, off the top of my head. Sure. here. you make you make some moves. You, you, you Harper's going to wind up being having tremendous stats at the end of the year. You can sell him again. You can sell Kingery. You can sell some some different things. And you you can you can make people believe again, but you would have to. They're not going to believe as long as Gabe Kapler is their manager. And now that might not be that. Maybe the people might be wrong. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. The people very well may be wrong. Mm-hmm. Just, but they, I, Gabe Kapler is a, a, an expert on baseball. The three of us are an expert on Philadelphia fans and Philadelphia sports fans and Philadelphia history. And I dare say that I know for a fact that people in Philadelphia are not going to put up with Gabe Kapler another year if he doesn't make the playoffs. And they're, the, not, they're not going to do it. And the one scenario that, that Mike brings up, of if you finish game or two out, you know, it'd be odd to fire somebody. Well, the, the, the example of that's Ed Wade. Ed Wade got fired back in 2005 after his team lost on the final day of the regular season, a wild card spot to the Astros who ended up going to the world series. So, yeah. I mean, there is a bit of a precedent. Obviously it was the Montgomery doing that call at that point, but there is a, a little bit of a precedent and that was caused mainly because the fans couldn't stand Ed at the end. So. Yeah. And we're talking about the way you characterize it. Two games out. It's two games out of the second wild card. Right, like that's yeah. a long could way be thir- out of, could be thirteen out of the division. Huge relevance, yeah. right? Jack McCaffrey joining us live from Citizens Bank Park on this Monday night, and Jack, I appreciate it, man. We hope to talk to you soon. Hey, anytime, guys. Thanks for calling me. I, you guys sound great, and best of luck with the podcast. It sounds good. Thanks, Jack. Be good, appreciate man. it. Uh, Jack McCaffrey yeah. joining us on the podcast, and uh, I'll never forget the show Jack and I did the day after the Phillies hired or. Uh, a day or two after. It was a Saturday or a Sunday. I can't remember. And uh, they just hired um, Charlie. Right. Instead of Jim Leyland. And he comes on. And we hadn't rehearsed or anything. You know, we showed up five minutes before. And he and he starts the show. They could have had Jim Leyland. <laughs> the phone lines. I, I, I don't make this up. The, the phone lines just. It was like you said, Republicans. You know, the phone line just. Yeah. And, and, and we were both adamant. They should have hired Jim Layla. 
And I don't know what would happen if they hired Jim Leyland. You know, who, knows, who knows? And this is obviously the last big Phillies week because the Eagles come up beginning next week. Well, and- let me ask you a question, though. What if, let, let's say Jack's right, and they go on that six or seven game win streak, and they get themselves a game or two up in the wild card, in the second wild, whatever. Well, fans, I, see, I can't believe that if you haven't had playoffs in seven years, even though you don't think they're going to win the World Series, you know, even though you, you think their postseason lives could be short-lived, I still can't when see Max Scherzer are probably in game one. Yeah. Well, but you don't know who's, whatever you, whatever scenario you paint, it isn't going to be Nola pitching game one because he's going to pitch the last game of the regular season unless you don't need him in the last game. They've already said that. Yeah. Okay. But what I'm saying is I know people will get so excited about the Eagles because especially if they start off and they're 3-0 and or, or whatever they are, but I still can't believe that people won't at least get a little excited about having a team in the playoffs. There's only 10 teams that make it. We've seen wild card teams. I don't think the Phillies are going to the World Series or anything like that. But goofy things do happen. And at least if you're in, you have a chance. I think it would be a curiosity more than exciting. Well, and and then, there's a difference. Okay, let's say there's a curiosity, and then they beat Scherzer. With Jason Vargas. With whomever. I don't care who they have. Right, maybe then, they score, maybe they score 10. Then but, they go to the Dodgers. And okay, play. but and so, so and, and then let's say they, they win game one. Like Noah goes out, game one, whatever. Beats Kershaw, beats whomever. At some point, well, they'll, people, they'll be they'll be a, the, now there will be juice then, right? But that's like what Jimmy Rollins said ten years ago, I guess. Yeah, and I'm not saying fans should be going delirious now. I don't. I don't mean that. I totally get all this frustration, all the things you point out, and, and then I'll point out that they're game and have it. I totally. This team is a weird team. It really is, and the manager kind of starts with the manager because it's hard to you know get him. Um, but I'm just saying for a city that hasn't had postseason ball. In seven, eight years, I guess it's been. I don't know. I, I just think there should be a little bit more level of, and maybe it's because the Eagles won a Super Bowl two years ago, yeah. and Carson's back, and you know they're one of the favorites in the NFC, and all, and all that. I, I understand I, that. I just right now, I I think people have flatlined on this team. I just have. I think they're tired of it, and I understand. I think they're tired of the drama. I think they're tired of. The manager, I think they're tired of players. They don't feel like give a crap. This will be the great thing. Let's say they don't make the playoffs. They get rid of Kapler. I don't know. I don't care what they do with Clintock. They get rid of Kapler come in, and they don't make the playoffs next year. That'll be some, yeah. yeah but then, but then, what do you do? That's, you say, well, geez, we, we, now now we got this manager that won a ch- championship for the Yankees or won a championship for the Cubs, and we went out and got a pitcher. We went out and did this, and we still didn't win. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds, but. You know, next year... This is baseball in the 21st century. still going to have Segura next year and Riamolto. And you might not have them after next year. Because they can't just sign everybody. They can't go out and sign... If you go out and get a, a top pitcher, it's going to cost you $20, 25000000 million a year. That's what it's going to cost. And even if you figure Spencer Howard's going to be one of those guys in the rotation next year, that's going to be dangerous. A guy who's Very only dangerous. in double A. He's only made five starts. Uh, Scott Lauber But made the Phillies it. do things like that. Scott Lauber. Yeah. Well, they don't, the give they you, don't no, normally they jump a you, guy from double no, A. No, but they give you a Pavetta and a Vinny and a, this guy and say, well, you know, you know, they, if, they, if they can, and, and none of them do, that's the problem. Dominic Brown, eh. Uh, uh, Altair was going to be. Now, how many guys have the Phillies. Thrown at us in the last five years that we're going to be this guy. Like now, so now we're talking about this guy Bone, like the third baseman. Okay, I'll believe it when I see it because I've seen we've got Kingery, Noah, and Hoskins, and right now people are down on Hoskins. So in the last for a team that missed the playoffs for seven years, and this is what you got to show for it. Exactly. When 
we are going to transition right now. We're going to have Les Bowen join us. Uh, Les, the longtime beat writer for the Daily News. There you go. And and now the Daily News slash Inquirer. Slash Inquirer. One of, thing. Uh, we'll talk now with Les about a lot of things. The defensive injuries, whether some of these guys are going to be back for the opener. Carson Wentz getting ready, and we'll talk. Uh, obviously touch on the Andrew Luck situation. Uh, it's Les Bowen. He's coming up right now. And joining us now, the longtime Eagles beat writer for the Daily News and the Inquirer. And before that, the Flyers beat And the writer. Flyers beat writer. Going back, how long have you been on the Eagles beat now, Les? This is Les Bowen. How long has it been on the Eagles beat, Les? Since 2002. It seems uh, seems like just the other day, but it's been quite a while. <laughs> when, you left, when you left the Lindros Circus behind and went to the Donovan McNabb-Terrell Owens Circus. So, <laughs> if you think exactly, about it. Yes. Um, Less uh, obviously, we're you know less than two weeks from the kickoff against the Redskins in Week One, and you know these preseason games just have been so mind-numbing. You know, They're not or, games or uh-huh. whatever you want to call them. Uh, mm-hmm. Is everybody? I know at a certain point at baseball camp, everybody gets tired of seeing one another and wants to see somebody else to hit. Are we at that point at, at Novacare Complex? You know, you broke up there. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Uh, That's okay. During baseball camp, there's a point where people just want to get out of Clearwater and get home. Are we almost at that point at Novacare where it's like, just give me a real opponent to get ready for? Yeah, and I think the starters are already, uh, they're kind of doing that. They're they're preparing for the Redskins because they're not going to play this week in the, uh, in the final preseason game against the Jets. So, yeah, it's, it's very much... Uh, uh, getting ready for the opener and uh, making the, those last few roster decisions. Uh, you know, they'll have 53. Uh, they'll be cutting to 53 on Saturday or by Saturday at 4 o'clock, I should say. Sometimes they do some of the cutting on Friday. But, uh, yeah, they those two things are, are kind of uppermost. I think everybody's sick of training camp stories and – preseason story, you know, preseason game stories and things like that. Everybody's ready to get on with it. it Les, have we seen, have we reached the point now where the preseason is just not worth, I mean, I know they're talking about when the next CBA comes up in a couple of years, mm-hmm. trying to get it down to two. And I noticed when the Eagles had those practices with other teams, it seems like they get more out of that than they do the games. Is this an inevitability because your starters don't even play in, in any of the four games just about – that at some point something's going to have to be done to knock this down to, to two or something. Yeah, I think uh, you're right about th- it's part of the CBA talks. Um, but the last couple years have kind of evidenced a dramatic shift from uh, probably 10 years ago. It was uh, the starters would play a little bit in the first preseason game and they play a little bit more in the second and they play about half of the third preseason game and they wouldn't play in the fourth game. Well, now it's, you know, I think uh, Sean McVay started this last year, really, of not playing anybody hardly in the preseason. And it's really caught on. And, you know, the the injuries that you see being suffered uh, across the league, like Lamar Miller getting the ACL for the Texans the other night, uh, you know, that's it's hard to argue with the coaches who just don't think, I mean, sure, you are a little sharper, I guess, out of the gate if you play in the preseason, but on the other hand, if you tear your ACL, you don't play in the, <laughs> you know, in the regular season. So uh, 
I think that's, I think that will happen. I think they do like the joint practices. Uh, for a lot of positions, it's just like a game. Like I, I talked last week to Jason Peters, and those two practices against the Ravens pass rushers, for him, you know, there was no difference in those practices and a real game. He was against the Ravens' top pass rushers. They were trying to get around him. You know, everybody was moving full speed. There was contact. There was pads. But if he screwed up, uh, Carson Wentz didn't get killed. You know, uh, that was the only difference. And I think that kind of managed situation is something that coaches really like. And it's all tied in with this. Uh, the, you know, the owners want to go to an 18-game season. And that would be a huge concession from the players. I think the players would have to get a lot of stuff in terms of monetary, uh, you know, the cap and and various uh, salary situations, uh, the the rookie uh, scale and things like that. A lot of things would have to change. The franchise tag. I think there are a lot of things the the players can ask for uh, if they're going to give 18 games. But if you had 18 games, I don't think you could possibly play four preseason games. So I think that's that's all part of the same discussion is if you went to an 18 game season, what would become of the preseason? And I think what I've heard is, you know, two joint practices and two preseason games. I don't even know why you need two preseason games. Maybe one preseason game would be plenty for me, but. It's all really interesting. It's probably not going to be resolved uh, in the next little while. It's going to be a while before this is all, you know, the, the CBA talks could drag on for really another 18 months or so. <laughs> so uh, we'll see what they come up with. But, yeah, every year the preseason gets more and more irrelevant. Les Bowen joins us here on Working the Beat. Les, on, on the injury front, obviously, you know, a lot of attention has been paid. Lee Johnson says he'll be ready week one and everything. But on the defensive side, Fletcher Cox still not on the practice field. Uh, mm-hmm. Should alarm bells be ringing right now about whether Fletcher Cox will be there week one against the Redskins? Well, Doug Peterson says he will be, but we it's kind of weird. It's one of those situations where Fletcher was doing stuff. He wasn't practicing fully, but he was out there at practice and doing individual drills and things like that. And all of a sudden he wasn't. And they claim, you know, nothing has really happened, but obviously something happened. Uh, They backed off of it. So uh, Doug says he'll be there on the opener. I really don't know. Fletch isn't around to ask when we're in the locker room. Um, There's a... A decent number of situations like that, maybe not quite that mysterious, but Nigel Bradham, right? Yeah. yeah, Nigel Bradham. uh, One thing that happened with the Eagles is that last game in New Orleans in mid January, I think it was January 13th. Mm -hmm. um, A lot of guys got hurt bad in that, you know, Brandon Brooks tore his Achilles uh, Mills hurt his foot. uh, Cox hurt his foot. I think the turf there was really bad. And that's uh, that's the worst time to get injured, you know, deep into the postseason because you're way behind guys that got hurt in October, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so uh, I'm probably, sorry, Mills was not then. Mills was before that, but they did get several guys hurt. Uh, Bradham got hurt in that game. Uh, we were just talking about him. Um, so you know, this is really they haven't had these guys in training camp practices. And it's, uh, 
it's going to probably the early season, you know, you're not going to see everything function like a well-oiled machine. I don't think, uh, given the number of guys on defense who haven't been uh, out there hardly at all. We've all heard about this team that basically the offense, many people think it's going to be semi-unstoppable, um, adding Jackson, having the second tight end now. But it, it does seem like since Wentz hasn't played in a while, um, it might take two, three, four weeks until it's really the offense that we think we're going to see, right? Yeah, I think that's a good point. Uh, and again, you know, uh, we, I was talking about how Sean McVay was starting the whole deal about not playing guys in the preseason. Well, another thing I think teams are looking at is the way New England approaches the season. New England often isn't very good in September. They'll lose to teams that you wouldn't expect them to lose to. Uh, but then down the stretch, they just sort of knock down the dominoes, you know, and, and they have the luxury of being in a division where it seems like nobody else is ever very good you get seven buys think, <laughs> yeah i don't think the eagles have that luxury but uh nonetheless i think the first few weeks of the season sometimes are over over overemphasized or you know they get a way more attention than it turns out they deserve i think uh you can come out of the gate a little bit slow and still be all right you know it is a long season and uh you know i again if the choice is between being a little slow out of the gate and getting key people hurt in the preseason, I think most coaches would choose a little bit slow out of the gate. Uh, Les, how much, I mean, look, everything, everybody's talked about Wentz and, you know, how he's going to handle this year. And, you know, he's got the contract and everybody thinks that'll be peace of mind. No folds around and everything. Is there a point though, where it's kind of sink or swim this year with him in a sense. Yeah, he's got the contract and everything, but if he doesn't perform to the level everybody expects him to perform at, boy, those whispers about boy should have kept uh, should have kept Foles, should have kept every you know that, that he's not as good as advertised. You know, you hear it in a murmur now. It would pick up dramatically if he has an off year. Correct? Oh sure, yeah, absolutely, but. Uh, at the same time, they're kind of stuck. I mean, they're paying him this money. They're not going to go out and get another franchise quarterback. He's kind of like Bryce Harper, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> he's not going anywhere, <laughs> you know. I mean, uh, I think the bigger, the more realistic worry is him getting hurt again. Uh, I really think he'll play just fine uh, as long as he's healthy. I think he played pretty well last season. We don't really know when his back injury happened. We know when they shut him down and that he'd had the injury for a while. Um, but really, his numbers were pretty good last year. They lost some games they shouldn't have lost. You know, a lot of weird things happened. They blew 17 nothing fourth-quarter leads at home and things like that. But I don't think a lot of that was really Wentz's fault specifically. Um, but, yeah, that's – it would be an uncomfortable situation, uh, certainly if they if he didn't play well this year. Uh, but I don't know what they do about that, really. Uh, I don't know where you'd go from there. Uh, it would be quite an interesting uh, situation. But again, I think even if he gets hurt, what do you do then? Uh, you, you're still paying him the money, mm-hmm. and you still don't have room under your cap for another guy like that. Maybe you maybe if he gets hurt again, you start looking at the draft next year and thinking you should hedge your bet 
but that's not easy to do. You have to be picking pretty high to, uh, to draft a quarterback. And then you got to, you know, go through all the process of getting him uh, ready to win a championship with, with an older roster really. And, and a lot of spots. Uh, so uh, yeah, that list, I think Eagles fans have better hope neither of those scenarios comes true. I think it's all kind of predicated on Wentz being healthy and really good. Yeah, Les, what is a, you know, I know what fans, you listen to talk radio here. What is a realistic expectation for this team as in what would be a disappointment? I mean, obviously not making the playoffs or something. That, yeah. yeah but, I mean, is getting well, I think to – if you make the playoffs, mm-hmm. I think, you know, you're kind of okay. I mean, it would depend on how that happened. If you won your first nine games and lost your last seven and then lost the playoff game, that probably wouldn't be good. Right. But, uh, you know, I mean, under most scenarios, I think making the playoffs is, is okay. Uh, but certainly they have their their sights set higher than that. Uh, but it's not like, you know, you play a best of seven series or something with somebody. I mean, it's what happens on a given day, you know, uh, in the postseason. Um, I think I, I'm, I just picked the, the games uh, for our preview section. I had them going 11 and five, and I really have no yeah. idea. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think it's a good team. It's a, it's a team that has a lot of depth. Uh, offensively and defensively the things that really hurt last year like being so young in the secondary they those guys some of those guys really came along like Avante uh-huh. Maddox is a pretty good player you know he was a rookie last year or a fourth round rookie who had to play safety and corner and he took a few lumps here and there but uh, I, I think they have a lot of guys like that that because last year was so bad injury-wise, they really got uh, their feet under them and did pretty well. And I, I think they're set up to be – they don't have a whole lot of uh, apparent weaknesses uh, on paper. Um, linebacker might be one, but they play a lot of gimmick defenses that don't really uh, you know, require great linebacking. Um, you know, if, if people are reasonably healthy, this ought to be a very, very good team. Less with the one thing though, I think that and I mentioned this with Silski a couple of weeks ago. They are in a conference which is just loaded. I mean, you look at the Rams, you look at the 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 Bears could be really good, the Vikings could bounce back, the Packers are good, Saints, the Saints, the Falcons are in there, the Cowboys if they ever get maybe Elliott Cam, back, maybe the Cam Newtons. I don't know about the Cam. They were six and two last year, but I mean, everybody dismisses that. But but to <laughs> me, this is as deep an NFC as there's been in a long time. I mean, you can't really pick one team and say they're the clear favorite. Like you could do that. You could say last year there was maybe two or three. Now there's five maybe that could go to the Super Bowl out of the NFC realistically. Which That's over- a good point. That's a very good point. I think. Uh- you know, the NFC representative in the Super Bowl last year was the Rams, obviously, and it shouldn't have been. They <laughs> should have lost that game to the Saints. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Eagles are fortunate. They've beaten the Rams, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a couple times uh, with McVay and Peterson going against each other. Um, I think the Eagles, you know, they had a terrible game against the Saints uh, during that stretch when they were when the Eagles were bringing guys off the street to play in the defensive backfield, 
But then they had a much better game against the Saints in the playoffs. And if they hadn't gotten so many guys hurt, I think they'd have won that game. Uh, yeah, it, it's really hard to say. What a, a team like the Falcons, you know, the Eagles have to play them down there uh, week two. Have to go to Green Bay week four on a short week. With the Falcons, it's always good to have them up here because I don't think Matt Ryan plays well up here at his hometown for some reason. It really seems to throw him off. Uh, but he's a very good quarterback, and he'll be playing at home. And they do have to go to Green Bay on a short week. Um, yeah, they, it, but, you know, I think one thing that will help them, and, you know, you never know. Maybe I'm 100% wrong about this, but I don't think the Redskins or the Giants are going to be any good. No. And I think that's probably four wins, you know, right, right there. Uh, so, you know, you kind of build from there. Um, you've got the Lions at home. You've got, you know, it, it's not a terrible schedule that they have. Yeah, you're right about the playoffs. I mean, the, the conference is pretty good. And the you key, never know who you're going to play. And, and if you win enough games, you play the games at home. And well, that makes a big difference. And I think that's the big thing. Like, home, home field advantage in the NFC this year is going to be huge because – you know, you want you know going to New Orleans is a trek. I know the Eagles have done well in L.A., but you don't want to necessarily risk going back in there one more time. Right. Uh, you know, going if they have to go to Minnesota. Boy, you think those people are going to be thirsty for blood after what happened here two years ago? Yeah, it was funny. It was funny watching the uh, 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 oh, Redskin quarterback um, Keenum. Ke- no, yeah, Ke- Case Keenum. Yes. Case Keenum talking about the fact that. He's got that date circled on opening day because he wants to get revenge for what happened in January of seven in uh, seventeen. Yeah. Or the problem 18. is he doesn't have that team around him. No, lost he doesn't have that defense. Right. Yeah. He doesn't have a left tackle right now with Trent Williams saying that he does he won't play for the Redskins again. So, you know, I, I heard that too, and I. The problem in football is it's really hard for one guy to <laughs> to make a huge difference. Uh, and even I mean, I think he's going to be pretty pretty fired up to to play uh, the opener as the starter he fended off Dwayne Haskins you know I'm not sure that there's there's anything that with extra motivation that's going to really uh, you know I don't think Case Keenum is going to tuck the ball under his his arm and run 95 yards for a touchdown because he's ticked that he got beat by the Eagles a couple years ago you know well, I just don't think it's the kind of sport where one guy being uh, motivated often has a very uh clear effect on the outcome and that game's here right yeah that's week one here yes yeah. it is so if the eagles somehow because in the nfl there's always like one or two games in week one that the buccaneers nobody ever saw coming yeah, if the eagles one is usually a mess if the eagles god forbid lost at home to the redskins yeah. what would that monday like be in philadelphia oh my god <laughs> It would be difficult you know but it would be the first game i mean that's happening oh you know that and i know that but yeah. you know it's like i know this town uh, Wes, before we let you go, um, obviously Andrew Luck is the biggest story, and mm-hmm. your, your colleague Marcus Hayes wrote a column about you know kind of tying in with the Wentz situation. I don't want to go directly in the Wentz case, but do you don't. No, do you think we're going to see more players almost voluntarily? You know, are they more conscious now? Maybe the injury issues and everything. And would they be willing to cut their career short maybe a year or two to ensure future health at this point? Do you think this is going to be a trend, or is, is Andrew Luck kind of a, a one-in-a-million one kind of thing? You know, I don't know the answer to that. I think 
there are two questions here. One is the kind of injuries Andrew Luck has had. I mean, not very many guys. He, that's a very ironic name for, 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 for that guy because he hasn't had very much luck. He's had lacerated kidneys and all kinds of horrible injuries that uh, very few guys have had. The thing that I think kind of overshadows everything is concussions, which really hasn't been a huge thing for Andrew Luck. But I think that's something that players think about a lot. And I think the fact that the money is so big now, you know, you had Andrew Luck, uh, you know, I didn't know, but $97 million, I guess he's made in six years. That's a tremendous amount of money. I mean, there was a time probably when that would have been a factor in guys not wanting to walk away thinking, well, I'm not really set, you know, uh, I can, but he was in a situation where, you know, what's the difference between 97 and 150 million? Really? I mean, is there, is there a real difference? Not really, you know, to uh, us. So it, I think that's, I think guys are going to be more financially secure earlier. And I think until they figure out a way to make the game safer concussion wise, because that's what, there was another story today I read on the internet about uh, Ron Fellows, who was a defensive back for the Cowboys and some other teams in the eighties. And it's the same thing that you keep hearing over and over again. He's my age. He's 63. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. He's a little bit younger. I think he was 61 and he's, yeah, his wife is dealing with dementia. You know, he doesn't know what's going on. And that is just something that isn't, you just can't have that. I mean, you can't have a sport that leaves a significant number of players in that situation. And, uh, you know, until they get a handle on how to make that less uh, frequent, I think football is going to have a real problem. And I think there are going to be guys that are going to, yeah, it's going to start with guys not wanting to play the game in high school. And then, but I think at every level, there's going to be guys that kind of weigh the risks and the rewards and decide it's not worth it. Yeah. There was another guy, a story on ESPN today. I don't remember the guy's name who apparently has asked the NFL to look into his head issues. Um, And I think you're right, Les. I think it's just going to be, and in recent years, we've seen guys walk away, you know, we're 25, 26, 27. I don't know if Andrew's had concussion issues. I mean, we haven't heard that, but could you see a scenario in another year where maybe, you know, he's pain-free, he's this, he's that. He goes back to the Colts and says, you know what? What do you think? I, or, or is... Yeah, I, that was one of the first things I said on Twitter when it happened is I just wonder if he, he's not just real frustrated by his injury situation right now. And a, a year or two, he's not going to be that old, and maybe he'll be healthy and he'll feel differently. Uh, there, you know, you don't know what would happen in that. I mean, if Jacoby Brissett turns out to be a great quarterback, then the Colts would end up probably trading his rights or something mm-hmm. like that if that were to happen. But but yeah, I think that's very possible. And people have even said that the Colts' decision not to come after the they could have gotten like twenty four million back from him. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that their decision not to do that is sort of based on the possibility that he might reconsider. You know, he'd be less likely to to have warm feelings about the Colts and want to come back if they took back twenty four million. <laughs> you know, so uh, you know, I don't know, but I, I do think. For a guy who's not yet 30 years old, uh, that yeah, you have to think about that. Sure. 
And, and I, I think, you know, and the look, it, it's one of those cases, one, it makes the Antonio Brown stuff. You know, you mentioned the article, which I, I read. It was our buddy Dom Costantino did one on uh, the story on Deadspin you were talking about, about uh, Fellows. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of makes all the talk that we heard earlier in camp about, uh, you know, Antonio Brown and his helmet and some of the silly stuff that goes on. It, it puts a re- the, the the whole luck case and you add in the concussion stuff that, yeah. you know, that, it puts yeah. a different light in the danger of this and, and how, you know, we... I think sometimes we forget about it, and then it takes something to bring it back. And you I see think the, the thing on Tim Green last night on um, I did not see that. I mean, the, the guy's going to die, and he's like I don't know in his fifties. Tim and Green he, was a smart guy too. Tim Green he's did a, a very lot of, smart guy. He's written like th- he's writing another book, book now. Is he? But I'm just saying, there's a lot of guys like that. I mean, Andre Waters in this town. This is not. Yeah. This is the whole issue with football. This is why the players and the former players got all nuts about it. Is because there's a lot of guys walking around at 55 years old that don't have lives. And this is why when people say, "Oh, it's not the sport's not violent enough anymore," well, that's it's not coming back to that. It just no. isn't. Oh, absolutely. And I, I'm one that really, uh, you know, you hear a lot of that, and it's just nuts. I mean, you just can't. Uh, the sport is plenty enjoyable without. You know, people going head first uh, at, at full speed into each other. You know, uh, I, I I'll support almost anything as long as it makes sense in terms of uh, something guys are able to do. You know, like mm-hmm. there's sometimes with with these rules, you get into how is somebody going to avoid, you know, being in that situation, uh, and and the rule doesn't seem to allow for that, but anything they can do to make this safer that is reasonable from, you know, having guys run around out there and run into each other. I'm all for it. Les Bowen, the longtime beat writer for the daily news and now the Philadelphia Inquirer. You read them on inquire.com. Les, I appreciate you coming on tonight. Uh, have a good season good to be here. and uh, have a good season. Hope we can talk to you again down the road here. That'd be an honor. Thanks, Thanks, man. Good luck, guys. Thanks, Les. Take care, Les. Appreciate it. Les Bowen, uh, one of the really good guys in the business. All the years, you know, when we were on Daily News Live and stuff like that, and there were some people that were of the opinion that, you know, the way Les talks and, you know, Les wasn't good on TV. He wasn't. You know what? I used to say to people all the time, why don't you listen to what Les is saying? Do not worry about that he talks with a little bit of a draw or, or, or he talks slowly. I enjoyed being on the show with Les. Les is one of the most knowledgeable people I, I know. But, but he never, he, he's, it's, first of all, it's never about Les. That's exactly the point. With some of us in our profession, it is. He, he was never like trying to make some goofy point over here. He has a very good sense of humor. It's just a little different than ours, per se, or mine, or... or and that's okay. And Les would say some things. I'd be sitting there almost like laughing on the set. And I always thought that other people didn't get it. And I thought, you know, is it me? But I, I loved, I, and, and Les's leads, his game story leads, which folks are not easy to write. No. I'm telling you, the Eagles are playing a, a, an 8 o'clock game, you know, and, and Les has to write that story and file it, you know, 15 minutes after the game. And it, or even the ones that start at 1 or 4 o'clock. I'm telling you. I, and I know I'm not a big game story guy. I don't get into all the. But I'm telling you, I would read his stuff all the time, and it was always good, and still is, and still is, and, and that's why he's still doing it. That's why we were happy to have Les on the show. All right, 
uh, you know, we mentioned the Andrew Luck thing. Um, how surprised were you? How surprised do you think I was? I mean, he's a, he's, an, he's a Hall of Famer who ain't going to go to the Hall of Fame. He's not making the Hall of Fame. No, he's not. Okay, but was it any more surprising than when Barry Sanders left? Or Sanders was more established, I think. Sanders obviously okay. had his Hall of Fame resume. Right. But I'm just saying, he he left when he still had like three good years left on the table and could have probably, you know, ran for another 4,000 yards. Um, Jim Brown was before your time. Sandy Koufax was before your time. Sandy was mostly be- – Sandy was similar. I mean, Sandy had a bad elbow, mm-hmm. and he knew if he kept pitching – he was coming off the best five-year stretch of maybe any pitcher ever had in baseball. And he walked away, I think, the age of 32 or 33 or something like that because his elbow would have turned to tapioca or, or he had arthritis and it would have been. Um, yeah, I mean, and that's why I think maybe, maybe, I'm not saying, well, that he might sit here a year from now, maybe pain-free and say, you know what, I'll give it one more go because I'm still young enough and I still miss it. That much, but I can understand the last four years for him. And last year was good. Yeah, I mean he was the comeback player of the year, I think, and yeah, yeah. he took his team to playoffs. But I mean, I think we don't realize there was a guy on the radio today, called just a caller that called in, and said that he's been through rehab before, and you don't get what exactly goes into rehab. Yeah, you know when you're coming back from something like this, you never fully recover. You're always kind of. But it's painful. Not only is it painful, you're in a room by yourself. Mm-hmm. Doing all this while your teammates are out there doing what they do, and then this year he had the, what was it? The, the, he had calf. the calf. But then there was something else. Right? Then they, they well, they were in, saying it was thinking it was the Achilles. Then it turned into a high point. ankle sprain. They, they, right. they were saying, and, and high ankle sprains are are not good. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how long he's been thinking about this. I don't know who he talked to. His father, you know, was a football player. Um, I don't know. Head of the XFL. Yeah. Um, played at West Virginia. Was yeah. Quarterback. I mean. I think, first of all, the fans, and and look, there's always a certain amount of people in this country and all over the world who are never going to amaze me by how stupidly stupid they can be. But the fans that booed him, I understand if you're upset that, hey, this happened a week before the season and now we're stuck with Jacoby Brissett and we, you know, we thought we might be able to make a run at a Super Bowl and now we're 50 to 1 or 100 to 1 or whatever they are. But booing him? Like for a guy that came back? You know who the Cole fans should be booing? Cole fans should be booing. The general manager that never drafted an offensive line. Bingo. But that's not. But, but, but you don't boo do you, at all. You don't need do you to boo take, at all. Why do you need to do that to him? Nah, it's ridiculous. It was. It's, no, it's beyond ridiculous. It's it's. And if that happened in Philadelphia, we would have got roasted. And Indianapolis got roasted. I get that, but not nearly to the same yeah, level. They but did. okay, they, they got they got toasted pretty good. And look, it's probably a small percentage of the people who were there. I get it. And when they have time to think about it for a couple of days. You know, I, I almost kind of applaud him because I think it takes a lot of balls to make a decision like that a week. You know, it's one thing if he does it in June uh-huh. or May or whatever and say, I can't. Okay, fine. You know, you made your decision. It happens. But, man, to do it like this, and I'm sure he wrestled with it. And I liked what Frank Reich said. I mean, Frank Reich, who's the guy who's most affected by this, yep. was like, no, he's, he's doing what's right for him and, and he's doing what's – and I, and I kind of applaud that. Um, but I, I, it would be interesting to see maybe if a year from now, or I guess it would be less than a year, he'd have to say his intentions. But maybe after the year, around March or something, goes up and says, you know what? I feel good. You know, especially if the Colts don't have a good year. You know, if they – and the thing is, I mean, I, I really thought – I didn't think they were going to the Super Bowl probably 
But but they had a shot to at least get to the title game, maybe. Well, I thought they 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 could win their division, which isn't an easy division because Texans are in the division, um, and Jacksonville could come back and be a good team again. Um, Tennessee's awful. Well, they made the playoffs last year. I'm just saying. Uh, they missed the playoffs actually. They missed by a game. No, missed I think they game. made the playoffs. They missed it by a game. Okay. They I lost thought, to Andrew Luck the final night of the season. Okay, to get okay then. Okay, my bad. Um, but I mean, you still got Kansas City. You still got the, the the Patriots. You still probably have the Chargers, who are probably better than you, at least Chiefs. on paper. I said that. Yeah, I said yeah. Kansas City. Yeah. But I'm just saying, maybe Pittsburgh or, or I don't know. Everybody thinks Cleveland, but but the the Colts could have been in the playoffs. Maybe got a home game the first weekend, and you know whatever. I mean, they, they, they put it this way: if you have Andrew Luck in the game. There's a chance you can probably win the game. Yeah, he came back against the, the Chiefs like three years ago, right? That was the game they were down like yeah. twenty. That was Andy's in. first year, I think. Right, and they came back and won the game because of Andrew Luck. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, could you imagine? If, sake of argument, Carson Wentz this had held that press conference. Well, and that was Mar- and that was Marcus's column. Marcus yeah. was talking about the fact that you know you have to brace yourself that this could one day be Carson Wentz. But, but and I that's don't think I, I don't see. I think different stage of life. I just think it's. It's a different person. That too. I think this is. I don't think this is going to cause all kind of players to follow this. I think this is Andrew Luck saying, of the last four years, three of them, I've had to deal with all this crap, and I'm, I'm just, tired. Of I it. just, I'm tired of it. It's, it's only a little weird to me, coming off the fact that last year he was good, mm-hmm. and the team was. Good and this and year he got su- better as the year went and along. Supposedly the team this year is better. They've they've got like a better team mm-hmm. at least on paper. That surprised me a little because um, if he had been hurt all last year, like let's say it was the year he was coming off the shoulder and he hadn't played in a year and a half, and now he's got this ankle sprain or Achilles or whatever they're saying, then I could see it. But boy, I just thought like after last year, you think, man, I did come back, I did play really well, the team did really well, and I'm only 29 years old and. Think of, but think about the upheaval he dealt with in Indianapolis. He came in, he had to follow Peyton Manning. He came in, and his head coach in his first year gets cancer right. in Chuck Pagano, right. gets replaced by Bruce Arians. Arians goes and leads them to the playoffs. I believe they lost to Baltimore that year, okay, in, in the wild card game. Then they made the, they made the title game. They made the, next the title year. game the next year. Mm hmm. Without Arians, who had gone on to Arizona at that point, okay. and, and then, then and then all the injuries set it. They missed the playoffs three. They missed the playoffs three straight years. Yeah, and, but, oh, but everything that's going on, he's had as many obstacles as any quarterback has had in this time frame, I, and he was really successful. But the the point is, and I think this is a little bit Cam Newton. I think of Cam Newton. Cam Newton gets hit all the time, all the time. The, the, the stats they put up on him about the number of hits he's taken, more so than the next guy in line, it's just it's just like incredible. And, you want, and, he, and he's always hurt. And you want to know the irony? Cam Newton's probably going to be remembered for the one hit he wouldn't take. Well, look, they weren't going to win that Super Bowl. Anyway. But that, but I'm just telling that, you, that's going to be people's. You know what? But until you brought it up, I don't. That's not what pops into my mind with Cam Newton. But that's okay. He didn't go for a fumble. Okay. Um, but Cam Newton to me is like if Cam Newton came out tomorrow and said, you know what? I'm out. I can't no. take this anymore. I, I would almost say I get it, it. It behooves me. This is what I don't understand. I'm the smartest guy in the room, but if I'm a general manager, well, there's only two of us in this. I'm room. building a team. I, I'm not building. I'm building a team, and and Carolina, I think, is maybe done a little bit of the same thing. I don't know. You got to protect. You draft Andrew Luck. 
Okay, he's your franchise for the next 10 years. He's your, your next four draft picks should he, be offensive he's, linemen. He's or, not necessarily in the first round all the time. No, but, but your second, he, third, took, fourth, and fifth? They took three picks before the seventh round in offensive linemen. That, that it is criminal. Can't happen. It's just criminal. Can't it's happen. like you, you can't. I mean, if Carson Wentz starts getting hit too much, that's where you're going to hear about the Eagles. But, I mean, they did take Lane Johnson. They do have Peters on one side, even though Peters is old. Brooke, Barrett Brooks made the um, the Pro Bowl last year. So, and the center's pretty good. So, I mean, the, the Eagles have tried. But you look at some teams, and that's the one thing the Patriots do. And I don't know how they do it, but they do it. It's they, funny. It, Tom gets rid of the ball fast. I, I know that's part of it. Right. But, man, they protect the, the, the hell. Even in the Super Bowl, the Eagles only got to him really the only, one time. The one time to cause the fumble. Uh, it's funny, as you mentioned this, one of their guys, David Andrews, uh, as I'm looking at my computer now, has been season in jeopardy because of an injury. So that'll be interesting. They'll to find watch. somebody. Yeah. Because they always do. You know, every year to lose, like, you know, a receiver and say, like Gronk this year. And now some of the other tight ends they've gotten. Well, and Gronk was always 50 50 and whether he was going to make a full season they'll, anyway. They'll figure it out. And you know what? One year they don't figure it out and everybody says, see, I mean, they get six Super Bowls. Like, and they've been to like nine. Or, or, eight, or whatever it is, eight or nine. So don't tell me about the, the the Patriots are allowed to fail, and that's okay. But can you imagine? Think about this. Because I, if Hernandez had not gotten into all the trouble he did and been the person he was, I think Hernandez was better than Gronk. Yep. When I used to watch them play, as great as I thought Gronk was, Hernandez could do going back to things. his Florida days too. But but even in the NFL, he was faster. Mm-hmm. He was, and the two of them together. We're like nuts. And then, you know, of course, that didn't happen. But then they get Gordon. Then Gordon gets whacked. And so they throw the ball to, what's his name, 10 times in the Super Bowl. Uh, they, they lost the other receiver. They used to have Edelman and Amendola, right? Amendola yeah. went somewhere. They, they fit, the running back changes almost every year. It was an Eagles reject the one year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, they, and it's because they have the greatest coach and probably the greatest quarterback to ever have been in this league and, and they impose a system and upon them and they're together yeah it's not like one of them's playing here and one of, and you know i mean bill belichick is, and there's been some great coaches in the nfl i mean you know there's vince lombardi there's tom landry there's this guy that guy bill's probably going to get if he's not at the top he's in the conversation and, and to me with brady it's either brady or montana and you know you go from there We'll talk more NFL next week. We're going to have kind of our NFL preview. Uh, that may actually be the one this week. If we should we... pick every game. <laughs> pick every game. I also have a buddy, and I have a buddy who is a uh, kind of a professional gambler or was a professional gambler. Good, he can give me advice. I was just going to say he can uh, come in and uh, the Friday show. I'm going to tell you right or Thursday show or whatever. It's going to be shorter. Oh, absolutely. It'll, it'll be a. It'll be a quicker hit. In fact, both of them are going to be, if we're going to do two, they're going to be little quicker hits. Yeah. Because I'll run out of dumb stuff to say. Well. I won't run out of dumb stuff to say, but. It'll get less. So so by the time we talk Thursday, mm-hmm. that's too quick. That's, but the, uh, the Phillies against the Pirates, and they're, they're doing something now I'm not even aware of. They're up 2-1 as we okay. take this. Are they going to win 2-3 or three from the Bucks? Well, you better. Well, I said they should from the Marlins, and then they wound up picking up a half game over the weekend. That's unbelievable. How is it? But that's that's why every time you tell me they're buried, I'm like, they're not buried until they're buried. So they're not, and I'm not sure. This I, week, this weekend's the real. You, but we've True been serum. saying that for four weeks. Yeah, you get you get the Mets at home. The, yeah, it, you the get Mets, a head to head. Got beat by three. It, it's look. 
I'm not sure I agree with Jack that they're going to go on a six or seven game because I just don't know if they can do that. But can they go on a 10-game spin where they go eight and two or seven and three? Because I don't think they're going to win six in a row. But can they take it, that 10-game? Right. Yeah, the Red Sox, when they get the Red Sox here, the Red Sox aren't all that. And they might, you know, they might. the Mets, I think, have, have hit their high. Now maybe, but they do have pitching. You got to give yeah. them that. Um, they get the uh, where they get the Cubbies. They got to go to the Cubbies, right? Yep. And the Cubbies are a different animal in Wrigley. Uh, the, the ironic part is, if they get to the final weekend and need to sweep, let's say, and they get the freaking Marlins. That's unbelievable. And the Marlins like don't let them sweep or something like that. Do you want to touch on college football a little bit here as we? Uh, uh, well, I kickoff mean, happened this Villanova, past weekend. A great win for. I mean, no, I don't know how good Colgate is. Colgate was good last year. They've been good for a few years. Villanova went up there with a grad transfer quarterback and stomped them pretty good. And Dean Kennefick, their SID, I'm pretty good friends with, they were picked ninth in their league, the CAA. Right. Last time they were picked ninth, they won the league. I think it was 2012. So I think they're going to be better than what they were picked. Um, how good they are, like can they be a playoff team? Um, I think they have a shot. So and, and in that league, at that level – the quarterback means everything. almost everything. If you have a quarterback, you can play. Penn State is, is a 38-point favorite against Idaho. Mm-hmm. Um, and Temple is a 40-point favorite against Bucknell. And Bucknell must stink because, you know, they're not, they're not, FC, not, not FBS. Because I can't remember Temple being a 40-point favorite over anybody. I mean, maybe they have been, and I just... Is it fair to say that Temple fans will feel like they'll be 2-0 and if they win this week after Manny Diaz losing on a Saturday night? If, if you care about Manny Diaz, what, what, <laughs> you get into all that, Kevin. I, if I'm at, Why do I care about Manny Diaz? He, he came, the job at Miami opened a week later, and he said, I'm going back to Miami. As any reasonable person with a brain... Would have done. Just like Jeff Collins when George so am I gonna root against Jeff Collins this week? They're thirty five point hundred dogs to Clemson. So I want Jeff Collins to go 0 and eleven because he deserted me. Temple will be rooting against a lot of guys if that were the case. I guess you never want Matt Rule to win a game. I mean I, I Yeah, I, but, but, but but what? The guy came and the job where he was, which is in the ACC and is Miami, you're gonna to say to Miami, now nah, I'm staying at North Broad. For what? So that two years or three years from now, hopefully you get a job from another ACC school? Kevin, you read, you read too much. I love you, Kevin, but you read way too much stuff. If the, the Temple people should worry about what this guy from Northern Illinois is going to do. They shouldn't care about Miami unless they're playing him in a bowl game because they should care about what the, is this guy going to be a 7-5 and five kind of coach? Is he going to be a 9-3 and three kind of coach? It, 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 Temple... The last two years, I believe, has gone seven and one in their in their conference. Or at least I saw a stat like that. That's saying it weird, but anyway, you know, can you win? Can you compete in the East in the AAC? Because that's what matters. Yeah. Their, their non-league schedule this year is not. I, I I think they have one pretty tough game. Maybe they get Merlin, or maybe that's down. I'm trying to think of their schedule. I used to know their schedule like the back of my hand, but I don't. But you know. I mean, this guy, he's in a tough spot. His quarter, he doesn't know about his quarterback because Russo's been hurt during camp. I don't think it's going to matter against Idaho. Um, but, yeah, I mean, because the worst thing Temple can be is 7-5. and five. Yeah, I agree. Because nobody will care. I mean, not enough people care when they're 9-3. and three. 
But when Matt Rule had those back-to-back 10-year seasons, especially the year when they played Notre Dame, there was a certain level of, hey, you know, it's Temple football, look. Mm-hmm. And it was fun. <laughs> uh, Were you there that night? Yes, I was. Yeah, that was... That was awesome. I, was, I went to game day that morning. and It was... I mean, you... You couldn't, and they beat Penn State earlier in the year too, and that was actually one hammer, hammer Penn State. Wasn't that Hackenberg got sacked ten times? Yeah, and that was the game. Actually, I think a lot of Penn State people thought would uh, be the beginning of the end of James Franklin. Look, James Franklin's still there, and he's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. No, I mean, and they're probably not going to be. What do you, what do you think? Like eight wins this year, seven or eight. Okay, uh, in, they, in a they year got, where they're having a massive rebuilding, right? They're playing a lot of young guys. Yeah. New quarterback, and their quarterback was very good the last three years. Plus, plus that conference is going to be brutally tough. Well, they got to play Michigan, Ohio State, and, and Michigan State, State every year. And yeah. I don't know who they're getting otherwise. Um, I know their non-league schedule is not all that. And you get Rutgers and Maryland, which helps. Or at least Rutgers. I don't know if you get Rutgers. Maryland, I think, is in the other division. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do this year. Because, you know, maybe they pull an upset or two and win nine or ten games. I, I don't, I wouldn't bet on it, but you know. But to me, James has established himself as the guy that can can make you pretty good. Mm-hmm. But he's got it at some point. If like, and he said it, we want to be elite. We don't yeah. want to be. And I think all the pressure in that league though this year is on Michigan because if Jim Harbaugh, they haven't won a Big Ten championship in fourteen years, which is hard to believe. They've lost thirteen of their last fourteen. Mm-hmm. To the Buckeyes. Yep. You get the Buckeyes at home this year without Urban Meyer. To me, if M- Michigan isn't playing in the Big Ten title game against a team that they should be favored against, I'm guessing at that point. Mm-hmm. So Michigan should win the Big Ten. And whether that's enough to get them into the playoffs, I don't know because I don't know how to. But if Jim Harbaugh goes 10-2 and this year and doesn't make the Big Ten championship game or something, that to me is, is a, I mean, he, he to, to me, that program in Texas – have as much pressure on them as this anybody year. in the country. Uh, and I love college football. It's my favorite time of year. I'm assuming you're taking Clemson and Alabama with two of your spots in the uh, final. And look, th- this is the hard part about college football, and this is the part that I don't like a little bit. The last four years, Bama's been in the playoffs all five years. Mm-hmm. Clemson's been in the last four years. They've played each other the last four years. You could almost make a case right now, like everybody in the country – is picking those two to at least be in the playoffs. Most people are picking Georgia and Oklahoma, and then some will pick Michigan, maybe. Or Ohio State. Ohio State, um, Texas, maybe, if they can beat Oklahoma. But there's not, like, like too many, like, long shots that you can look at and say, yeah, that team there that is ranked 11th going into the sea, like Florida or something, or LSU. It's hard to see that, and that's what college football has become. But the problem in college football is if you lose a, one game that maybe you shouldn't, you're done. Well, if you're Alabama or Cle- well, Clemson schedule, but if you're Alabama, you can recover because they're Alabama. And, and if you get to, the, you know, you lose a game and then maybe get to the SEC title game, win that, and, and you're in. And I think Alabama should get every benefit of the doubt. But like if you're Georgia, you know, you almost have to go unbeaten. Yeah. If you're Oklahoma, I mean, that's how, and college football's always been like that. I mean, you know, you can get by with one loss, two's very difficult. Very difficult um, unless your two losses are. By one to Alabama and one to Clemson or something, you know, and and you win your league. I don't see anybody in the Pac-10. I mean, Oregon has the quarterback um, who, who's probably going to be a really high draft pick. Justin Herbert. If not the first draft pick. I mean, you know, him and Tua. Um, I'm trying to think. 
you know, other, I mean, you got the Big Ten, you got the Big 12, you got the ACC, and I mean, you just look, is there anybody in the ACC that can, can but Clemson almost lost last year to Syracuse yeah. when the quarterback got hurt. Um, and they play Syracuse early, and I mean, but Florida State doesn't, like, it used to be like, oh, we got to play Florida State? Yeah, it's like, okay. We're no, I mean. Playing. Miami looks like maybe they'll be, like, coming back a little bit, but they're probably still But think about this, there. and this is a sign of what the ACC outside of Clemson could be, okay? I think most people, if you count Notre Dame as a de facto part of the ACC. I don't, but you're. Yeah, okay, because they you. usually come out of that. Yeah, but they're they're still viewed as an independent. They're still viewed as an independent, but they're kind of in that their bowl fate is tied to the ACC and how the ACC. But not goes. not their not their not playoff their major, fate. Yeah, exactly. Okay, not their playoff fate, right. but the t- right. Okay, Notre Dame's three best games, right. three toughest games. Uh, now they play five right. ACC games every year. Their three toughest games, none of them involve an ACC at school. Michigan. At Michigan, at Georgia, at Stanford. Yeah, and I'm not sure how good Stanford is this year. Everybody's kind of saying they're like an eight-win kind of team. But, yeah, you're right. Um, but that's the way Notre Dame wanted it. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, who in the I mean, Louisville, Louisville on opening night a couple years ago looked really good. Yeah. Now it looks awful. Um, yeah. I mean, other than Clemson. I mean, I'm trying to think, like, who else. I mean, last year, Clemson played somebody bad in the in the title game. Was it, like, North Carolina State or NC? I'm trying to think who they played. Was it Georgia was it Duke? Might you know? You know, I I can't even remember. Right, I don't remember. But I'm saying like Georgia Tech is a 35 point underdog, and I'm guessing that's based on merit. Miami looks like they're okay. I mean, if they can hang with Florida, you know, you're you're, but they're probably still like an eight win team or something like that. Florida State is trying to come back from you know losing their luster. I don't know who else like in that league. I know what begins next week though, the fraud five. Fraud five. Peering on my good friend Glenn Papazian's website, and I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm drawing a blank. I'll, I'll, I'll mention it on Thursday. Or I'll mention it next week. Um, yeah, there's always fraud five. That's what's great about college football. And we'll do fraud five here. There's always, like, so when you're trying to pick, there's always five upsets at least a week. Mm-hmm. Which be, be tough to find one this week though. But there will be. Schedule's not that good. It doesn't matter. But there will be. There might not be five of them. But, you know, I'm guaranteed, and especially the first week, there's always like one or two that you just sit there and go, huh? Like, how did that happen? Best game of the weekend, Oregon and Auburn. I think everybody would oh, that, agree. That would, yeah. Although Auburn's not, Auburn's not great. Uh, they're still top 20. Yeah, but but he's on a hot seat a little yeah. bit. Um, Gus, Gus, Gus. Although they gave him, he's got, apparently he's got a really big buyout, and that's why people think he's going to stay. Um, yeah, and, and chance to see the Oregon quarterback who, might be the number one pick in the draft. I mean, you know, this whole thing has to play out. He's got the physical things over Tua, I think. Uh-huh. And the kid from Clemson can't come out for another year. So, um, yeah. I mean, anytime you get a chance to see a quarterback who could be a quarterback of your favorite NFL team in a year. You're going to tune in. And that's a big game, more, more so for Oregon. Yeah. Because if they win that game, and then they can dominate the Pac-10 or get through to or Pac-12, I guess it is, they might have a shot. To, yeah. to, to be that kind of like team from the outside, but they have no margin for error. It's almost, it's almost impossible in the Pac-12 to go 12-1 and one and make the and playoff. Get yeah, unless the loss. Like last year, Washington played Auburn week one mm-hmm. and played them well, mm-hmm. but still lost, and they were done. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at Notre Dame-Michigan last year. Yeah. I mean, Michigan goes to Notre Dame, 
loses, you know, has to fight uphill. Now, Michigan could have played their way back in if they beat Ohio State and won the Big Ten. I think they might have. But what I'm saying, all year long, they're playing uphill. And then the big question became at the end of the year, and we'll never know how this would have sorted itself out. If Notre Dame had lost somewhere along the line, Southern Cal, I don't know who else they could have lost to, and Michigan went 12-1 and and was the Big Ten champ, do they pass Notre Dame, Uh even though Notre Dame won the head-to-head? I think in my mind I might have passed them. Because if you beat Ohio State, if you go to Ohio State and win and win the Big Ten, and you haven't lost since that game, and that game was on the road in September the 5th, that's why college football, that's the good and bad about college football, is every game counts. Yes, you does. can't, you know, but by the same t- by the Also, s- every game counts. Every game counts. <laughs> because it's almost like, like there were years I remember back when I was covering it, in the early 90s, one year Florida State lost the first two games. They lost to BYU, I think it was 89. They lost to BYU and somebody, probably Miami. Mm-hmm. And then they ran, the, the, they ran it. They, and they went to the bowl game. They put, they pasted somebody, Nebraska, I think. And Bobby Bowden said, he goes, yeah, look, we're the second-best team in the country. Yeah. And he goes, there's nothing we can do about it because I think Miami that year won the title. Yeah. And he goes, you know, I know, we got, but we lost twice. We got to go. We will be back here later in the week, Thursday or Friday. I'm aiming for a special guest, by the way. Okay. Gabe? No, not Gabe. He goes on and talks to Angelo. Why won't he talk to us? Because he gets paid to talk to Angelo. If, if, if before we get off the air, I don't dislike Gabe. Like, I don't think he's a horrible guy. I know he takes a lot of hits. Oh, I don't think he's a horrible his, guy. His, I don't think he's a good manager. Game, his, but his post-game things are just... <laughs> we, yeah, we're going to take responsibility for that, and, and it, which is... That's unacceptable. Uh-huh. Okay. But, then stop it. But yeah, like... like <laughs> I know, but... Then stop it or stop he, saying he it's almost, unacceptable. He almost sounds sometimes like, he, like he's coaching like a little league team. He's coaching like a group, and he's, like, instead of saying, like, that one time when they played that 15-inning game, and you're saying how hard his guys, they're major leaguers, Gabe. They're, they don't tell me they played hard. I don't want to hear that. You know, if, if, if um, the Eagles lose a tough game and Doug comes in and says, my guys played hard. Short of a Super Bowl. But I'm just saying, they lose, yeah, they go to Chicago and lose to the Bears on a field goal, and it was a rock'em, sock'em, robots kind of game, and Doug comes in and says, well, my guys played hard. Okay. Oh, man, not in baseball. Don't play. No, they, they, they're major league guys. They, yeah. they, they're supposed to play. That's what they do. Phillies, Phillies, wild card. You're, you're right without there. Nola. Without Nola, that's you're, going to that's going to be the tough one. Because it's going to be. Can you imagine Jason that? Bar- Jason no, they're, 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 no, they're going to start. No, they're going they're going to do that. Uh, you know, you open with a reliever kind of thing. Oh, like, the, the the opener. They'll do the two. Yeah. Pavetta. Oh God. Pavetta no. gets the ball. We got to go. I'll see you later in the week. We're gonna. I, you know who I'm going to try to get on one night, one day? Big Daddy. I'd love that, Big Daddy. But the problem is I'd probably be crying through half the show. You know? Yeah. That would be tough for me. Probably tougher for you. Yep. Yeah. By the way, the Pirates just tied. But I would like to. I would, I wouldn't mind. If Big Daddy was up to it, yeah. that, that would be awesome. Yeah. We'll get, I'll talk to him in the next day or two, and we'll see if we can get him on. Or we'll get Ava. Well, I already have one lined up. I already have Angelo lined up after he comes back from vacation. So okay, yeah, I'm easy. I I know you are. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, babe. All right. Thanks for joining us. So I'm working the beat. We'll talk to you later in the week. Take care.